All right. Good evening, everyone. Pray that you've all had a good week so far. It's good to just have a break from the world. And I don't work there anymore, but I used to be in a place where there was lots of swearing. And just to know that a Wednesday night is a break from the week, I just pray that tonight will be a balm or a place of healing. Um, and of course, like, not all Wednesdays have to be about the message. Last week proved that. We were singing, and it was awesome. It was The fellowship was real, and we were giving praise to God. Um, if you do value uh, your worth coming here based on the preaching, of course, you made a bad investment tonight. So, but no, 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 no. We'll get, we'll get straight into this. Um, it won't be too long, but I just pray that it'll be a blessing unto you. But... Tonight I'd like to talk about a topic that's been pressing on my mind these last few years and has been since uh, it's been reignited from Pastor Hernan's um, vision for our church going on to next year, into the new year. And I've actually given this devotional thought uh, to the boys on the Friday night um, at youth group. And so I apologise for you boys that have to hear this message twice. But the topic I'd like to talk about is the kind of spirit that we should have when we serve, when we serve God. An online dictionary provides this universal definition. It says service as the action of of helping or doing work for someone else. And that's fine. I don't disagree with that. Spiritual application of what service, more biblical definition. I stumbled upon this spiritual application of what service is. And it says this, providing service is being the extension of God's hand in reaching out to others. And I like, this de- I like this definition because it puts God in his rightful place, at the source, at the reason. And reaching others or other people, that's the outcome. And we're simply to put ourselves in a position or in an attitude that can be easily used by God to be an extension of God's hands. And it gets complicated when we ask the question, where can I serve or what can I do for God? And I told the youth this, I said, I can't answer that for you. We can't answer that for you because we're not God. I'm not God. What we can do is that we can identify gifts that you might have. We can provide tips and we can point you in the right direction. But to have the right attitude to pursue the depths of servanthood is something that you have to find for yourself through God. In John 17, 4, Jesus says this, I've glorified thee on the earth. I've finished the work which thou gavest me to do. So we know that even Jesus had a work that God had given him to do. And of course, we understand that it was leading up to the cross for our salvation. But notice where it says, the work which thou uh, gavest me to do. There is work that you do because it's the right thing to do. Because, like as Christians, there are duties that for testimony's sake and for obedience's sake that we ought to uphold. And the Bible says faith without works is dead. But let me say this, that is totally separate to the work that God has called you to personally, to do personally. It's separate. So in light of discovering what God's personal will for our lives are, we ought to treat service and or serving in ministry as an opportunity to tend to our attitudes, to tend to our hearts, to tend to our spirit of service. So treat service and ministry similar to the work that God has given you to do. 
and to commit to. I'm not at the end of my life, uh, as is in, in John 17 that I read from there, but I want to be able to say in my latter breath, God had made it clear to me the work that I was to do, and I've done my best. My good and faithful servant, put your hand up if that's also what you want to be able to say at the end of your life, that I've done my best for the work that you have appointed for me. Everyone is accountable for their own lives. So perhaps from a fleshly perspective, what one can achieve in their lifetime, it could be very little. It might not find itself in, in the next Bible or in, in books, but, but that doesn't matter because God receives all the glory anyway. It says again, John 17, 4, I've glorified thee on earth, colon, I've finished the work. The implication here is by doing the work, we glorify God on earth. Now, church, I can't pick out the service or the ministry for you, but we can use the Bible as our authority and reference to determine what attitudes or characteristics we ought to have when we serve. The spirit of service that God would have us to behave when we, as extensions of God's hands, reach out to others. So if you have your Bibles, could you please turn with me to Levit- Leviticus 1. While you're turning at the time of Leviticus, God didn't dwell uh, within believers like how he uh, dwells within us today, of course. Instead, the presence of God was made accessible in the tabernacle. However, because the blood of Christ was yet to be shed, of course, uh, God had graciously allowed the children of Israel to still commune with God because of atonement. And atonement, or how Bible Institute has successfully drilled into me, at one minute, is the reconciliation or the bringing together at one place between the sinful man and the holy God. And because Christ had not died yet, of course, his act of atonement manifested in the burnt sacrifices. Let me be clear that uh, these verses or these, these sacrifices, it didn't attribute to salvation at all. It simply painted a picture of the perfect sacrifice that would come at Jesus' death at Calvary. They don't contribute to salvation at all, but they just paint the perfect picture of the sacrifice that would come at Calvary. So the instructions we'll read are, for context, God's expectation on how the children of Israel ought to approach God, but the principles that we will gather, uh, though, can be applied to our attitude in having the right spirit when it comes to serving or in ministry in your local church. So we'll read this uh, from Leviticus chapter 1, and then we'll go to God in prayer. I'll read all of it, so please bear with me. Starting from verse 1, Leviticus 1, the Bible says this, And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, you shall bring an offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a man without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. He shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. And he shall kill the bullock before the Lord, and the priests, Aaron's sons, shall bring the blood 
and sprinkle the blood round about upon the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into his pieces. And the sons of Aaron the priest shall put fire upon the altar and lay the wood in order upon the fire. And the priests, Aaron's sons, shall lay the parts, the head and the fat, in order upon the wood that is on the fire which is upon the altar. But his inwards and his legs shall he wash in water, and the priest shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, of a sweet savour unto the Lord. And if his offering be of the flocks, namely of the sheep or of the goats, for a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring it a male without blemish, and he shall kill it on the side of the altar, northward before the Lord, and the priests, Aaron's sons, shall sprinkle his blood round about upon the altar. He shall cut it into his pieces with his head and his fat, and the priest shall lay them in order on the wood that is on the fire, which is upon the altar. But he shall wash the inwards and the legs with water, and the priest shall bring it all and burn it upon the altar. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savour unto the Lord. And if the burnt sacrifice of his offering to the Lord be of fowls, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or of young pigeons. And the priest shall bring it unto the altar and wring off his head and burn it on the altar. And the blood thereof shall be wrung out at the side of the altar. And he shall pluck away his crop with his feathers and cast it beside the altar on the east part by the place of the ashes. And he shall cleave it with the wings thereof, but shall not divide it asunder. And the priest shall burn it upon the altar, upon the wood that is upon the fire. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savour unto the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Gracious Father, oh, we do love you, Lord God. Lord, I just pray um, that you just separate this place now, Lord Father, that, that your word may be given, Lord God. Lord, I am nervous. Um, I don't think I'll ever be comfortable going up here, Lord Father, but I just pray that I don't abuse the ministry, Lord, or the accountability responsibility of standing up here, Lord, and just having to use your book, Lord Father. Lord, I just pray you monitor my words, Lord God. Help me be in the right spirit, Lord. Uh, I just pray that everyone here will be blessed from what we have to hear tonight, Lord God. Again, we love you. We pray you get all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So as a summary, the people would have to sacrifice an animal to get right with God, but because of sin nature, of course they would have to eventually offer sacrifices again. But here's the kick. It was a role of the offerer to provide the sacrifice by their own means and kill it, and spill the blood while the high priest was just there to regulate it. Uh, most of Israel during this time would raise their own cattle. They have their own farms, but of course, some families were more prosperous than others. Not everyone could afford a bull or a goat. Not everyone could afford a bird. Regardless, God still gave them specific methods to approach himself that Israel could follow to give an atonement for their sins. So we give three quick points, three things to expect when having the right spirit of service. And number one, having the right spirit of service means giving your best. Read uh, verse 5, 10, and 14. Uh, it says, And he shall kill the bullock before the Lord, and the priests Aaron's sons shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round about upon the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Verse 10, and if his offering be of the flocks, namely of the sheep or of the goats, for a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring it a male without blemish. And skip over to verse 14. 
And if the burnt sacrifice of his offering to the Lord be of fowls, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or of young pigeons. So among the expectations of God for your sacrifice that it was to be a male without blemish. And so this literally means that your sacrifice had to be free from any imperfections uh, or defects. And as an agricultural society, uh, the children of Israel would almost purpose to raise the perfect animal that it would be reserved for sacrifice. They would identify a good-looking male animal at birth and that they would nurture it and say that this one is exclusively going to be used for sacrifice. But notice the catch-22 over here. As a farmer, the animal without blemish, that would be your prized animal. That would be your best animal. Do you know how hard it is to give up your best? To be sacrificial is the attitude that what you're going to give up or what you're going to forfeit, it's inconvenient, it's, it's hard, and it, it's a loss. But notice in the New Testament, Jesus Christ, the precious Lamb of God, was also without blemish and without spot. It was a sacrifice of himself that paid for our sins. And it really reveals the heart of God to have to give up his only begotten son. But here in Leviticus 1, it says, For a burnt sacrifice, if you're going to sacrifice a bull, make sure, of course, it's, it's a male without blemish. If you have a sheep or if you have goats, make sure it's a male without blemish. And it can sound, it can sound meticulous because it is. This is a holy God we're speaking about. Jehovah God, you know, we're trying to approach here. But here's what I'm trying to say about giving your best. Don't try to bring a turtle dove or a pigeon if you have a sheep or if you have goats at home. Don't bring a goat to the altar if you have your favourite prized bull waiting and hiding at home. Don't hide your best from God by giving him the second best thing you have. God wants your best and not your second best. Because church, if you've been getting away with near enough is good enough attitude, it's time to stop. Stop cheating God. But here's the thing, in front of all the people that are seeing you worship the Lord, they're seeing you give your sacrifice, they see you serve, they see you in ministry, you're of course inclined to believe that you're giving your best. Stop robbing your local church by not giving your best service. God knows all. See, at the altar in Leviticus, God will consume all of the sacrifice. Everyone around you, they, they saw the flames, they saw it all burnt up. It looks the part. You can fool others, but you can't fool God. When it comes to service, purpose to have a spirit that will always give their best. Number one, right spirit is about giving your best. Number two, Having the right spirit of service requires giving your all. Go back to Leviticus 1, verse 5. says, And he shall kill the bullock before the Lord, and the priests, Aaron's sons, shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round about upon the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Skip to verse 9. It says, But his inwards and his legs shall he wash in water, and the priests shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice and offering made by fire of a sweet savour unto the Lord. 
Verse 10, and if his offering be of the flocks, namely of the sheep or the goats for a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring it a male without blemish. Skip to 13, but he shall wash the image of the legs with water and the priest shall bring it all and burn it upon the altar. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savour unto the Lord. So did you know, that small Bible trivia, but did you know that the burnt offering is the only offering where God consumes all of it, every part of it? God consumes all parts of the sacrifice. And this adequately describes the nature of God and what he requires of us. He requires all of it. Hebrews 12, 29 says, For our God is a consuming fire. And I say this because sometimes when we serve, and when you've been doing it for a long time, you tend to take shortcuts. When you're giving your all at the start, it dropped off to only 80% of your effort. And then after some time, 70% and perhaps 50%. And you've been doing it for so long that you've convinced others, perhaps even convinced yourself that you're giving your all. And then after some time, you pull out of the ministry because you say, oh, it's not for me. But let me clearly uh, clarify, sorry, that giving your all isn't the same as giving your best. Sometimes people, uh, someone can give the best of what they have without giving all of it. You want a classic example of giving your best, but not your all in ministry. An example is singing. You know, I praise God for the music ministry in our church, but I hate to find out that someone of our gifted singers, of our, or our orchestra, they aren't giving their all. They're not giving their best. They're not giving all of their best or all of their efforts. And as partakers of the blessing that God bestows upon a church because of faithful ministries, stop robbing us. You know, I was thinking of Josh Avenel uh, when he, he, he normally sometimes does the offering and the prayer. And one of the things that he would say that really stuck out to me, he has a tendency to say this, but he says, you require of us a tenth you gave it all and it really gives perspective about just how much that God has done for us and just what perhaps God expects from us back but in terms of robbery God doesn't like it and I'll go as far as to say that God actually hates it I'm not calling anyone out here but you know it's the spirit of Satan to deceive others Look at Acts 5. This one's a very common one. We're only read a couple of verses of this. <clears throat> Acts chapter 5, as we know, we're familiar with the story of Ananias and Sapphira. We'll just read uh, the first three verses. And he says, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart, heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Let's say Ananias and Sapphira were given the best of what they had. You know, money is money, to be used for the profit of God's kingdom, of course. And they gave money, but through their spirit, they didn't give all of it. But notice in the passage that it was never about the amount they gave, it was about the deception. And when it comes to the spirit of service, 
God wants you to give your all every time. Go to Romans 12.1. This is a very uh, common memory verse for all. Uh, I know it was the youth ministry uh, key verse there, but it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. God wants all of you. Number one, God wants your best. Number two, right spirit of service is giving your all. Number three, having the right spirit of service means giving the pleasure to God. And we'll go back to Leviticus and we just read three verses and then we're nearly done. Leviticus, uh, just jump to verse 9. It says, But his inward parts shall his legs shall he wash in water, and the priest shall burn all on the altar, to be a burnt sacrifice and offering made by fire of a sweet savour unto the Lord. Verse 13. But he shall wash the inwards and the legs with water, and the priest shall bring it all and burn it upon the altar. It is a burnt sacrifice and offering made by fire, notice, of a sweet savour unto the Lord. And then verse 17. He shall cleave it with the wings thereof, but shall not divide it asunder. And the priest shall burn it upon the altar, upon the wood that is upon the fire. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, and once again of a sweet savour unto the Lord. Don't get me wrong. You're allowed to have fun uh, and be joyful when you serve God. But the priority is as Christians. We do the things we do. Because first and foremost, it brings glory. Brings glory and pleasure to God. It's a natural response to what God has done for us. And just because we happen to enjoy it is only by the grace of God. God has allowed that to happen. And I'll just give you another example. For example, when someone tithes, the intention is for it to be given sacrificially. But that doesn't mean you can't find blessing and value and, and worth and joy just doing the right thing that God expects of you. And if you're currently serving in any capacity, but you're not enjoying it, enjoying it, try and remember the fact that what you're doing brings pleasure to God. I understand that there's circumstances, but if you just change your thinking around, and you might just find joy and contentment in knowing that what you do, it just brings glory to God brings pleasure to God. If you're serving in a ministry where you're not happy with the way things are run or there are things that have to be dealt with before you decide for yourself, okay, I can serve now, you're creating conditions for what is acceptable to serve. At your worst times, you should always serve God, praise God. At your best times, of course, you always praise God and worship God. But what happened to, yes, I hate my ministry leader, but I trust God. My pastor did this and that, but I trust God. Perhaps to find that thing that where you're just doing it all for God. Maybe if you just change your thinking around, you start to enjoy what you're doing. So for those that are who perhaps you know aren't Christian, understand that it's hard to relate. Um, you know, there's something they have to do there. But if you're here tonight and you know, you're, you're a serving Christian, you're, you're, you're out here, you can still exercise the right spirit of service. There's still a right way to go about it. I guess the question is, 
How far are you willing to go? To do better, to be better for God. Just don't forget not to uh, just give your best, give your all, and never forget that it is about the pleasure that God receives when you're walking in him. So let's pray. Lord, how many gracious Father, again, we just thank you, Lord, uh, for tonight, Lord. Lord, again, I just pray that these words are just your words, Lord God. Lord, I just pray that you help us to remember these things, Lord Father. If there's anyone here just struggling, Lord, in, in ministry, Lord, or something that's in their hearts that not everyone knows about, Lord God, Lord, I just pray you tend to their spirit, Lord Father. Lord, I just pray you help us to examine ourselves, Lord, before your book, before your word, Lord God, that you can make us profitable servants, Lord God. Lord, I just pray that if our attitude and our heart is not right with you, Lord God, Lord, I just pray we confess it, Lord. Lord, I just pray you fix it. Lord, I just pray that during this time of prayer, Lord Father, it's an intimate conversation uh, between ourselves and you, Lord God. Lord, again, we just thank you for who you are, what you've done, Lord God, in this place, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.